All right. Oh, I love it. Hey, to all of our Willow locations, good morning. We're glad you're joining us. And to everybody in the room and online, my name's Dave and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, today is a very special day. Of course, you know it is Happy Father's Month. And uh, this is the month of the year that we celebrate all the dads. We love Happy Father's Day, Happy Father's, or Happy Father's Day to you. It is also a special day because this is Juneteenth where we celebrate or we mark the end of slavery in the United States. And I think that's something we ought to applaud. That's a good thing. And if Father's Day and Juneteenth wasn't enough to celebrate, uh, it's also a special day because one of my friends is here to speak to us today, to teach today. I am super excited to introduce you Jody Hickerson. Now Jody uh, is a lot of things. She is a mother. She is a wife. She is a church planter. Uh, Y'all moved out to California to plant Mission Church. They now have three locations. They're killing it out there. She is a conference speaker, and she has a very special connection to Willow that I will let you. I will let her tell you about. Willow, would you give a very warm welcome to Jody Hickerson? Good to see you. What is up? Welcome to Willow. I also want to welcome all of the Willow campuses and those online. Um, it's just so good to be together. And again, man, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. You are so, so important. Um, the way that you lean in, the way that you show up, the way that you love. Um, like Dave said, my name is Jody Hickerson, and I'm really honored um, to be here this weekend. And some of you may actually remember my dad, who was a teaching pastor here several years ago. His name is Mike Bro. Um, yeah, that's my dad. And back then, he had two grandchildren, and now there are 10 of them. So yeah, there's, there's dad. We, we call him Papa Uber now um, because he is just always, you know, running some kid to practice or picking up somebody um, from school. And so dad, if you're watching, shout out to my dad. I love you. Happy Father's Day. Super grateful for you. And he also texted me last night and said, make sure you give Willow Creek um, my love. And so a happy Father's Day to all the dads, including my dad. Um, and I love that I get to be here for that today. I also really want to acknowledge all of the men who are unsung heroes that play the part of a father figure in someone's life. Man, all of you awesome uncles and grandfathers and foster fathers and spiritual fathers and brothers and teachers and coaches and mentors, can we give it up for all of those men as well today? For sure. Uh, we are in this series that's called Unsung, uh, where we're looking at some unsung heroes that are in the Bible. Like people whose names um, kind of are in the fine print, or like in our story today, aren't even mentioned at all. But when we look at their love and their wisdom and their courage and their healing and their leadership, man, they make a huge impact in the story of God. And so we're learning together how our unseen acts of faithfulness can do the exact same thing. And so we're going to jump into this story today. We're going to rewind uh, way back in history to a miracle. A miracle that Jesus performed that's recorded in all four of the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And to kind of set the stage before this miracle happens, Jesus has been, you know, traveling with his crew, and he's, he's healing people. He's also making the religious people mad all the time. And, and people are he's starting to gain a following. And so he shows up on the shore of Galilee, and there is like 
a huge crowd of people. Like they rush to greet him, thousands of them. And so Jesus kind of sneaks off in this little hillside with his disciples and he sits down. And it says, when he looked up, this is John 6, and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Now, don't you love that Jesus asked a question when he already knew what he was going to do? I mean, he just asked it to test him. We, we call these requestions in our house, you know, like if I say, hey, are, is the trash go down tonight? That really means take the trash down tonight, right? That's a question. And Jesus, man, he was always asking these fascinating questions. And I, I've always been fascinated with the questions that Jesus asked. Not because he asked them when he walked this planet, not because he needed the answers, but because we do. He asked questions like, who do you say that I am? Or why are you so afraid? Do you love me? Why do you point out the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and, and not look at the plank in your own eye? What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his soul? I mean, deep questions, profound questions, and depending on how we answer, life-changing questions. And right here today, at this point in our story, Jesus asked another question that I really believe can reach through 2,000 years of history into our lives today. The question's actually found in Matthew's account of this story, like right after Philip is going, dude, like we can't feed all these people. Like I know your heart's in the right place, but this is impossible. Then Jesus asked, how many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? Anybody got anything I can work with here? And another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass in that place, and the men sat down, about 5,000 of them. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. And when they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are, get this, left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I mean, as soon as Philip calculates, you know, the reality, it's eight months wages to feed all these people. Jesus, there are thousands of people here. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? And Andrew speaks up with these powerful words. Here is a boy, our unsung hero today. With five small fish, five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Now, I don't know Andrew's tone in this verse, but you kind of get the sense that he's almost just trying to indulge the kid. You know, because he emphasizes the word small. Like, he's got five small loaves and two small fish. It's like, well, here's a kid. I mean, he offered his happy meal. But, I mean, I don't know how far that's going to go. But, man, the kid offered, you know. So I, I got to bring this up. And then Jesus takes this little offering, and he feeds over 5,000 people with leftovers. I mean, I love this story. I love this miracle. 
Because when Jesus does this, I mean, he's, he's bringing tangible hope and practical help. He's meeting a real need with this tiny offering, all because one young boy that's never even named responded to the question, how many loaves do you got? Anybody got anything? And this kid said, I do. I mean, it's not much, but you can have it. Like, you, you can have it all. What's so interesting to me, too, about Jesus and this boy and his offering is that, let's think about this. In reality, Jesus didn't need those loaves to make this happen, right? This is Jesus. This is God with skin on. Jesus who was there at the creation of the world. Jesus who healed the lame and the sick and the blind. Jesus who walked on water. Jesus who raised people from the dead. Jesus who himself would raise from the dead. He did not need this kid's happy meal. He could have just spoke the miracle into existence, right? Which would have been Chick-fil-A, of course. Chick-fil-A for everyone, and it would have just showed up. Jesus didn't need this kid's lunch to make it happen which is the first thing I just want us to look at in this story. For us today, living 2,000 years later, this is still true. God wants to involve you in the miracle. Isn't that amazing that God invites us to be a part of his work, to be a part of his story, to be a part of his miracles, to be a part of helping people, to bringing real life and hope to people? I'm telling you, this is where it's at. Like, there's nothing like it. There are so many bored people in this world and in our communities, maybe here today or watching online. And, man, it's like you're always trying to find that elusive something to thrill us, right? We all look for significance or something just to bring some meanings to our lives. And and the truth is we may find some temporary fixes for that, but they don't last. This is where it's at. Where it's at is when we begin to know we were made by God and for God. When we begin to understand that we've been made new in Christ Jesus, and so we start believing that there really are adventures that he has planned for us long ago. When we start experiencing being used by God, when we know the rush of living beyond ourselves, the thrill of living generously and freely, man, that's not a boring life. And it's so much bigger than temporary thrills and it's so much better than our personal comfort because we were made for more and God wants to involve us in the miracle. And the New Testament, the church, right, that's us. Every single one of us make up the church. It's referred to as a body, like the body of Christ and that when that body is working healthily, every single part is contributing. Every single one of us, every single part is saying, oh, here's what I got. Here's what I got. Here's what I got. And you can use it, God. I'm placing it in your hands. Romans 12 says it this way. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. 
in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the gift to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, then serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. This is how God set it up that we would all have a part to contribute, that we would all give what we have to offer, that we would all play a part in the miracle of bringing life and hope to other people. And man, we need each other. We really need each other. First Corinthians um, continues with this illustration saying, now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, hey, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Everybody has something to offer. Can we just say that, that word everybody all together? Everybody, everybody has something to offer. And anybody, anybody can be used by God in amazing ways. And I'm telling you, you know, if you're sitting there thinking, not me. Like, it's not me. Like, I'm not the used by God type. Like, I'm not even, like, church people type. I don't have those kind of gifts. God wouldn't even want what I've got. That is so far from the truth. We see this all throughout Scripture. We've seen this all throughout this series, these unsung heroes. It's actually God's specialty to use the most unlikely people to accomplish his plan. Noah got drunk. And Abraham was too old, and Jacob was a liar, and Joseph was abused and abandoned, and Moses had a speech impediment, and Gideon was afraid, and Rahab was a prostitute, and David had an affair and then murdered someone to cover it up. Jonah ran from God. John the Baptist was just weird. You know, Martha worried too much. Matthew was a cheat. Paul persecuted the church. Peter denied knowing Jesus, and Lazarus was dead. And still, God says, you, I'm going to use your life. I'm going to use your story, and I'm going to use it to bring so much hope to other people. And I love that because that means you and I, we get in. This is for you. This is for me. We have something to offer. Your life is going to bring so much hope to other people when you place it in the hands of God. And we've all got a different part to play. Like, how many loaves do you have? What's in your hand? What do you have to offer? We all have something different. First Corinthians says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And you know what? Maybe you haven't thought about God in this way of wanting to involve you in the miracle. Use your life. Maybe you've never thought about, you know, the church 
working in this way, like a body, like, like we need each other to play our parts. Maybe you've just thought, you know, there are like a few professional Christians, you know, a couple of pastors that do the thing and everybody else just shows up for the hour on Sunday. That's not it. That's not God's idea. God's, God's way bigger than that. And his idea for the church is so brilliant. See, this is the deal. God has come up with a way to meet every single need in every community. But it is only if every follower, every man, woman, student, kid, knows their unique purpose, knows they got something to give, have a unique gift, has this invitation to live for more, and they live it out, and they offer it up. Man, when that happens... That's when every corner of our culture and the places where we live and we work and we play, they become places where God is doing miracles in the lives of people. And it's one of the things I love most about Willow and churches like Willow and the stories that I get to hear. I know that so many of you are giving God what you've got. And it is making a difference. I mean, I know that this church is filled with electricians that are, are burning bright out there in the world. And tattoo artists that are leaving a mark on people's souls. And carpenters who are helping their buddies actually build a better life. And plumbers who wade through the crap of life with people. And teachers who go beyond the classroom. And musicians that show up with a, like a different kind of joy to every gig. And moms and dads who are relearning things they never experienced as kids. But now they're pouring into their kids faith and truth and unconditional love. I mean, on and on, it is amazing the difference that you're making out in the world out there just by offering what you've got into the hands of God. Not to mention what happens, you know, here at every campus. You know, care team members taking care of people, mentors walking beside other people, kids and student volunteers investing in the next generation, parking lot teams and, and greeters and ushers and coffee makers. Thank God for the coffee makers, right? Admins and band members and, and production team. You know what? It's like God set it up. It's like it was supposed to work this way where we all have a part to play. We all have something to contribute. How many loaves do you have? What do you have to offer? Because God wants to involve you in the miracle of bringing life and hope to people. And you may think it's small, like this kid, or insignificant, or, you know, not worth mentioning, or maybe you'll work on it a little more before you give it to God. But here's the second thing I just want to talk about today. Listen, what you place in the hands of God matters. It matters so much, no matter how small it is. In fact, the truth is what you place in the hands of God multiplies. We see Jesus take these five loaves and these two fish, and it's just multiplying. What we give to God, it goes beyond what we even think is possible. It multiplies, it spreads, it grows, and there's even a little extra that never goes to waste. That's how our God works. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who by the power that is at work within us is able to carry out his purpose and do so super abundantly, far over and above all we dare ask or, or think, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's our God. When we say 
Man, here it is. Here's my time. It's not much. Here's my money. Here's my resources. Here's my gifts. Here's my talents. Here's my abilities. I mean, I don't know how far it will go. But you can have it. What God does is beyond anything we could ask, dream, or imagine. Two small fish, five small loaves. I'm about to feed all these people. What we place in the hands of God, it multiplies. It doesn't make sense. It's like God math, okay? Our brains can't comprehend it. But I have experienced it over and over and over again. And living like that, I'm telling you, that's where it's at. I love how Proverbs 11:24 says this very poetically. It says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. And y'all, that's just true. The more generous we are with what we have, the more we offer what we have into the hands of God, the more God expands our world, the, the more we hold on the smaller and smaller it gets and it becomes all about us and we get so self-focused and we're chasing our own fulfillment and it just gets smaller and smaller. And listen, by the way, generous has nothing to do with how much you make, right? Generous is a heart thing. I mean, you think about this kid. When Jesus asked that question, like how many loaves do you have? And, and this kid showed up, there was probably likely someone there with more to offer. When you think about it, there's 5,000 people there. Did anybody else pack a lunch that day? I mean, somebody else did, but it was this kid who stepped up to give what he had to be part of the miracle. And just a side note, for all of you that are students or kids today, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. You have something to offer now. You have something to place in the hands of God now. God wants to use your life now, not someday. You put your life in the hands of God now and watch him use it in amazing ways. You know, one of the things I got from my dad uh, was being a sports nut. I am a sports nut. I love watching sports. I'm a crazy college basketball junkie. Um, my team is the Kentucky Wildcats. I'm crazy about my Kentucky Wildcats. Um, in real life, I'm a soccer mom and I'm a baseball aunt. So I just, I love all sports. I love being on the field. But it made me think, you know, when we're talking about this today, that like when you, when you look at this baseball, for example, like this baseball in my hand, is like worth 14 bucks. You put this baseball in the hands of Clayton Kershaw, sorry, I know you guys don't like Dodgers, but you put this baseball in the hand of Clayton Kershaw, that's $31 million in his hands. This basketball here, I mean, in my hands, 20 bucks. Although I was a point guard and I was pretty good, okay? I was pretty good. You put this basketball in the hands of LeBron James, that's $39 million a year. Just by placing it in his hands. Take this nine iron, which I'm not going to pretend to know anything about. I just looked at the bottom and it said nine iron. <laughs> but maybe it's a couple hundred bucks in my hands. Maybe it loses value in my hands. I'm not really sure. But you put this in the hands of Tiger Woods. That's $1.6 billion over a career just by placing it in his hands. I just want you to know today, your life, 
your time, your talents. Put them in God's hands. Watch what happens. Those two, two small fish and five small loaves in that kid's hands were a happy meal. In Jesus' hands, it brings hope to thousands of people. And if you, we will take what's in our hands, what we have in our life, and put it in the hands of God. It is going to make an impact for generations. You know, when I was thinking about that question that that kid answered when Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Anybody got anything I can work with? And how he stepped up. It got me thinking about another question. And that question is what if. When I think about Willow and the Willow family, I think what if. Like what if we did it? What if we lived this way? What if we offered what we had into the hands of God? What if we really believed that we were made for more? What if we trusted that what we let go of and place into the hands of God, he's going to multiply? What if we all got to be part of the miracle of bringing life and hope to other people? What if we, the church, all of us, began to live a little dangerous? came out from hiding behind the brush and allowed God to light a flame in us, what if? What if we began a revolution? Didn't back down from persecution, but became a part of the solution. Got in the business of the distribution of love, grace, and mercy that our grips would loosen, what if? What if we knew what God said? Let his word wrap around our heart and our head. More than words on a page collecting dust unread. Instead, we live like his word was alive and not dead. What if? What if our families were thriving? A place of peace, no depriving, no striving. More than just surviving, but rising up to give, serve, invest, care, guide. To set aside our pride, to decide to abide, to walk beside. A place where people can find and where love is supplied and where grace will preside. What if, what if you're 12, 14, 16, 20? But you live with a courage unlike many, possess valor, boldness, and faith plenty. Let God write your story from the beginning. Hand him the pen and let him start pinning. That all the someday's I'll be, they're phony, they're fleeting. You are worthy now and your life has meaning. What if? What if we unleash compassion? flung our faith into action and we opened our hands, our homes, our wallets, our doors the lonely, the outcast, the hurting, the poor. We gave to each other but didn't keep score. We humbled ourselves so that someone could soar. What if? What if our what ifs were more than just words that we say? More than just a game we play? What if we didn't stray or sway or live our lives in shades of gray? What if instead today we pray, God, we're yours. Have your way. Have your way. Oh man, give it up one more time for Jody. Thank you guys so much for having me here today. Thank you so much. Hey Willow, what if what if we really did pray? Uh, God, we are yours. Have your way. What would that look like in your life 
today, which I just made that rhyme and I didn't even mean to, hey. but what would that mean for you? Maybe for you it means to come back next week. Maybe for you it means to get in a small group. Maybe to, to participate on a team. Maybe there's something in your life that you've been holding on to that, that, that God would say, hey, trust me with this and watch me multiply it. I just want to encourage you, whatever that is, whatever that next step is for you, take it. Be brave. Be courageous. Take that today. Maybe for you, it's to say yes to Jesus for the very first time. And if that's true, then we invite you after the service, just come on down front, find a campus pastor at one of your locations, and talk to them about the decision that you want to make in your life, and they'll help you make that decision. Whatever your next step is, we invite you to take that today. Jody, would you pray, pray us out? Oh, pray sure. for us. Yes, yes. Um, and yeah, just let's bow our heads wherever you're at. And maybe just as we leave here today, if you want and feel comfortable wherever you're at, just kind of open your hands. Just open our hands as a posture of inviting God to have his way. So let me pray over us. Um, Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for every person that's a part of this place and your work. Thank you, God, for inviting us to be a part of the miracle. Thank you, God, that we can trust you with our lives to do more than we could ask or imagine. And today we just say, have your way. With our time and resources, have your way. With our personalities and passion, have your way. In our homes, in our workplaces, at our schools, in this church, in our lives, have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys so much for having me here today. Amen. Willow at all of our locations, thank you for joining us today. Next week is Volunteer Appreciation Sunday, so show up for that. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next week.